name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. In 2019, this book came out on the New York Times bestseller list by a therapist whose name is Lori Gottlieb, and the title of the book was Maybe You Should Talk to Someone. And the cover of the book is a large box of Kleenex. It's a great, great cover, right? Maybe you should talk to someone. And in this book, she explores the inner chambers of her patients' lives. And in a certain way, we are like patients. Well, not really. We are souls. We are sons and daughters of God. But in a certain way, when we go to spiritual direction, with all these inner chambers that we have, and that we must be prepared to open we go to spiritual direction so that we can be helped to see how all that inner machinery works. What needs to be tighter, what needs to be a little bit more relaxed, what needs to be polished, so that we can really see all our inner chambers as God sees them. Because sometimes we just don't know how the machinery works. We see a car and we say, oh, good, nice car, yeah, okay. Yeah, but uh, do you know how it works? Some years ago, we had a fellow come here to Ernstcliff who did repairs. And um, he would always show up with a car from the 1970s. Right? I don't know what it was. It was like a Mustang or something like that, but it was like way old. And um, I asked him, how come he has such an old car? He said, well, I like to repair my cars, and this is such a simple car. I just open the hood. I can fix it myself. But today's cars, forget it. It's computers. It's, it's just too hard to figure out with today's modern cars. So I like the old style, and that way I can fix it all myself. And it's simple enough that I can do the work on my own. And, well, maybe we're not old cars, but... We have to be able to see what's under the hood, right? We have to be simple enough and not overly complicated so that those who are helping to repair our soul can easily understand the inner chambers of our life, of our soul. And that's why engineers, well, they love to take devices apart. They call that reverse engineering they take it, a, a, you know, some kind of device, and then they undo it. They go into the entrails. They suit exactly how it works, and they can understand how this machine was built. What was the idea behind it? And we must do that when we go to spiritual direction. We work on ourselves, but for that to happen, we have to let ourselves be known, let ourselves be reverse engineered, so to speak.
let the person who receives our confidence really see what makes us tick. And that task in spiritual direction, that task of both sincerity and simplicity, is not always that easy for us. We have to learn it. It's like an art that we have to discover, but it is one that can really help to make us advance because we will come to know about ourselves much more than we realized. And in this book, Lori Gottlieb tells about how on one occasion she received an email from a lady whose husband was having an affair and she wanted to know, well, what, what should she do? And she tells the whole story and it was quite heart-wrenching for her. And she knew that she had to be very careful in responding to this, this email because she knows that this is just part of the story and there is another version of the story that exists. And um, she says that we are often rather unreliable narrators of our own life. And she says that when people come in for therapy, which I guess is the equivalent of the chat or spiritual direction for people without faith, or also people with faith, they can do that too, but uh, the person speaking kind of drives the session. And they think about what they're going to talk about on the way in the car. They think about, okay, I'm going to talk about this and this. They're on their own. They sort of go through their own inner chambers. And then when they arrive, the opening lines are about why they are here. But that is almost never what they really end up talking about, or really about the important issues. She says that the first few words are just like sort of stuff they have to get out of the way. And the whole role of the therapist is to help to reflect back onto themselves on what is truly important to take away the secondary things, the stresses that are stresses, but they're ultimately more than anything secondary. And the therapist has to reflect wise truths to them that maybe their own friends don't tell them, or maybe their friends don't have the correct timing to tell them these things. Maybe friends commiserate, maybe they encourage, but they don't always tell them the things that need to be said. And in spiritual direction, we go to hear the things that need to be said, that we need to be told. So we go and speak, and something is reflected back to us, so that we really are able to reflect, that we're able to go over it, that we're able to ponder what we are, what is mentioned to us. I wouldn't say what we are told, but something that is reflected, so that we can tap into what we ought to be, what God wants us to be. And that pondering afterwards, that consideration, that reflection on things that we might like is an important task of living out our freedom. And um, sometimes we ask, you know, why don't I like this thing that she said? Or have I not accepted 
something about myself? Do I really know my dominant defect? Do I even know my main virtue, my main quality? And if you want to know your friend's opinion about something, well, you need to talk to your friend. You, you ask, your friend replies, and that asking, that replying, it triggers a dialogue. And likewise, if we want to know what God thinks about us, what he thinks about our vocation, our fidelity, our way of working, our qualities, well, we have to talk to him about that. We have to talk about him, especially as a way of preparing that time of spiritual direction. And really, in some senses, you could say that spiritual direction is really kind of like a series of stories that we tell about our, our lives, ourselves, so that we manage to make sense of our divine vocation, make sense of our life. And the way we narrate, narrate our story that is what our life becomes. We have to become good narrators of our story. This uh, Lori Godley, when she meets someone on a plane, she does not tell them that she is a therapist. She says she's an editor. Hello, what do you do? I'm an editor. <laughs> and each day uh, she helps to take away extraneous words and you know what supporting actor you know is to a, a larger story is very important which are the words that are distractions which are the words that are really poisonous that we tell about ourselves how does uh, different plot points of the narrative of my life really reveal a theme. Perhaps you, you know that the movie Star Wars was one of the great successes uh, in the 1970s and the first versions that they came up with were absolutely a mess because they had not really correctly uh, edited the whole movie. They had all the pieces but they needed a very good editor. And it's really the editor that made that into such a box office hit, where he recognizes that the audience knows certain things, but then puts tension and puts that clip there and, and back and forth between the different uh, uh, figures. The editing is very important. You don't want to reveal everything at the start or complicate the story. And that's why for us too, our vocation is not a topic we thought about once or twice and said yes and it's over. It's a story that we have to keep working on. It's, it's a work in progress. It's really ultimately a story about our freedom and our free response to God. How am I living out this narrative of, of freedom in my life of correspondence to God's grace? Or is it a story about kind of feeling trapped? Mm -hmm. Or is it a story where we tell ourselves, well, this person has a better situation. She's better than me in here or in there. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the narrative that we recount has nothing to do with what will actually work out. Mm 
And so that's why for us to make a, a good chant, a good spiritual direction, we really have to love the freedom that God has given us. It has to be there. And it is a way for us to really live out that love story that the Lord has invited us to. Like an artist painting a work of art. You know? Or if he were painting, imagine he were painting a, a work of art and somebody comes and watches him paint and asks him, what, what are you painting? He says, well, I'm painting uh, a landscape, but it's not a landscape yet. There's just a few brushstrokes and colors, and but it's not a landscape yet. It is not finished yet. We are, with our life, painting a kind of a landscape, but it's not a landscape yet. We're working on the task of sanctity, and, and the fact that we have many brushstrokes still to add should not discourage us. That's the process of making a beautiful auction-winning landscape. Pope John Paul II, if you had asked him in 1930, if you had asked him that question, who are you, in 1930, he would have said, I am the son of Karavoitila, senior. Later, if you had asked him, who are you, he would have said, I'm, I'm a young seminarian in my second year. A few years later, he would, if you had asked, he would have said, I'm a bishop. It's, a, it's, like a, it's like a work in progress. And when he died, he was Saint John Paul II. Our life is like that. It's a life in progress. And you and I are like the sketch of the saint that we were meant to be. We are like an unfinished project. It's, it's like fine-tuning. We're putting those brush strokes. Do I actually understand the way in which I am still unfinished. What parts of the landscape need to be worked on? What needs to be improved? Maybe there's still lots there to be uncovered that I have to be sincere about. And for us, in order to really know who we are, we need to trust the, the architect and follow his instructions. God didn't ask young Karl Wojtyla to prepare himself to be Pope. He didn't say when he was young, you will be Pope, so you know, get ready, study hard, because you're going to be Pope. God prepared him through the hardships he had to live through, through the salt mines and losing his parents at a young age and then losing his brother. And Those were all part of the sketch of the, of the beautiful masterpiece that the Lord was making with with Voitila. And so in the presence of God, we ask ourselves now, how is that sketch going now in that beautiful landscape, that beautiful work of art that he is, uh, he is inviting us to, to paint now with our life? Are you able uh, to describe coherently the events of your life what is that description? It's sincerity in the chat, in spiritual direction. And that sincerity will provide us with greater openings. One of the beautiful fruits of sincerity is that we become souls of better criteria. Souls with a mature discernment. Like a, like a mature ability to judge events. To see 
the pros and the cons. Not to look at everything that is bad, but also look at things that went well. You could say the real weight of things. It gives us, when we reflect on ourselves in the presence of God, in the presence of Jesus, a clarity of mind that comes from a serene conscience where we don't lie to ourselves. We don't make things overly emotional or just get driven by our feelings. You could say that the Lord Jesus chose the twelve for this. We saw that uh, in today's gospel, how we are given the list of all the apostles and the different names and and how he sent them out eh, into the world to be his apostles. He saw that they were like sheep without a shepherd. The people around him were sheep without a shepherd. That is, they were quite lost. So his zeal didn't want to see them lost, to be forgotten at the mercy of predatorial animals like wolves, the different kinds of wolves that are out there. We need to talk about this in prayer because the Lord has sent us out. We have to talk about the wolves that we see. And where do we begin? First, with our prayer. First, with our conversation with our Lord. How is that construction project going now? If we want to understand ourselves, we really have to open our heart. And because nobody is a good steersman of his own ship, we have to ask the help of somebody with experience and guidance and let the Holy Spirit work through that person. As our Father says in the way, you wouldn't think of building a good house to live in here on earth without an architect. How can you ever hope without a director to build the castle of your sanctification in order to live forever in heaven? The the castle of our sanctification. He's referring to that image that St. Teresa of uh, Avila used to use that the, the soul is like a like a castle with many rooms eh? and she invites people to go in the inner courtyard and so forth and every every room has a different purpose mm-hmm. and that's why uh, our lord in, uh, in the gospel of saint matthew speaks about the the dumb devil mm-hmm. we are told that as they were going away behold a dumb demoniac was brought to him. And when the demon had been cast out, the dumb devil, the dumb man, rather, spoke. And the crowds marveled, saying, Never was anything like this seen uh, in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He casts out demons by the prince of demons. This was after the Lord had cured the two blind men. He cured them according to their faith. Or before that woman with the blood flow. And just after that, he raised the daughter of Jairus. So despite that sublime teaching, despite his miracles, all those miracles that we just, that these people saw, some people still remained entrenched in their opposition. 
and they attribute all those good things that he does to the devil. He must be doing all these good things, healing these people. That must be the devil. They can't deny that a cure has taken place. So they think that the devil must have used his power. As though the devil would even have such power. Would he even have such power? He is a spirit. He's an angel, but he's not all that powerful. And what interest is, is it of his to cure people? He doesn't want to cure people. So if anything, he has deceived them. He is, the devil has managed to infiltrate in their thoughts eh, so that they cannot see the good. And they actually think that the good that the Lord has done, like these miracles and his teaching, are actually evil. Like the devil is evil. And of course you can imagine that the devil would have liked that attribution because it was so deceptive. And it may happen to us. We may not see the good around us. We may not even see the good in ourselves. We may not see it. We may have a tendency just to see the negative, to see the devil, so to speak. And that's why being sincere in spiritual direction is not about just saying negative things, bad things. It's about saying the truth about ourselves as we see it. And then let ourselves be guided with docility. It's really saying the truth, how we see the truth. And it would be, you could say, a lack of sincerity, but you know, not, to not really listen or to be docile. To just be focused on our limited vision. We just see it like this and that's the way it is and, and not let kind of the door be opened into the inner chambers of our soul. And it can happen. We may only see human explanations, human vision, and not let the Lord play his role through that person who is receiving our confidences when we open our heart. We may speak, but we think that the person receiving our confidences is saying that to me because, well, she's from this time, she's from this culture, she has this temperament, uh, she's way too orderly for me, she gives too much importance to this thing or that thing, she doesn't understand me. She doesn't understand how complicated and difficult things are for me. When we say that, in some way we're saying that that she is really, in some way, the devil. In some way, you're acting by the power of the devil, like these Pharisees said. In some way, we're saying that. In some way, we're saying spiritual direction is not really doable for me and it's too much, it's too unrealistic and therefore it must come from the devil. That same reasoning happened to the Pharisees and the scribes when they saw Jesus do miracles. And it is in the light of this episode of the dumb devil, the demoniac, that it is easy for us to see that the paradox is true, that there are blind who in fact see God and seers who see no trace of him. There are blind people who in fact do see God and there are people who can see but they just 
They just don't see him. So when we open our heart in spiritual direction, we, we can't just stay at half-truths. We have to really open ourselves up. We talk about everything, present, past, in-depth. Otherwise we will fall prey to the mute devil or the dumb devil. Not that we have to say absolutely everything, there's just so much time. But uh, our father said, uh, you will go to your sister always, but especially whenever your soul is sick and you need, you need a doctor. Just as a sick person will go to the doctor that she trusts, not to the first doctor she meets, we too, we go to the, the good shepherd, that person who hears our confidences to the priest mm-hmm. whom God has given us uh, in the work. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's beautiful to consider is that our founder understood very well that we have our weaknesses, that we have our miseries. In Spanish, he called them, these weaknesses or these miseries, he called them mesquindades, mesquindades, which is a mesquindad is, is like a, a little pettiness or a kind of meanness, right? a paltry approach to life. He said, uh, how shall we be able to overcome our meanness or our mesquindades? How shall we overcome this? He said, let me make the point again because it is so important by being humble and by being sincere in spiritual direction and in the sacrament of penance. Go to those who direct your soul with your hearts wide open. Do not close your hearts, for if the dumb devil gets in, it is very difficult to get rid of him. The dumb devil. Our father often mentions him, and, well, we don't want him to go into the inner chambers of our heart because he just lets, he sits there and he lets things rot. We don't want that. We ask our Lord now eh, to sort of let the love of God, the, the clarity of the Holy Spirit enter into our heart eh, and so that we can know ourselves better and ultimately discern with clarity God's will for us and arrive at that simplicity, that sincerity, eh, that will make us such good instruments. We ask this now for our Blessed Mother. And we ask also, in particular, um, Blessed Alvaro, who was so simple and kind and gentle, that they intercede for us so that we really know how to take advantage of this beautiful means of formation and spiritual direction. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me. In this meditation, I ask you to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.